y'all. It's Carmen. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. You are joining me for week seven of a series I'm calling Whatever. This series is all about our thought life. What are our thoughts supposed to be about or look like? Should they reflect the good or the bad? What thoughts honor God? The main scripture for this series is Philippians 4.8. I hope that at the end of this series, you and I will be able to have a Philippians 4.8 thought life and outlook on the world. Over the past six weeks, we have looked deep into the first six descriptor words of what our thoughts should be, things that we should be thinking about. Number one, we should think about things that are true. No place for lies or secrets in the mind of the child of God. Number two, We should think about things that are noble, honorable and respectable thoughts about God, His kingdom, other believers, and ourselves. No place for trashy thoughts in the mind of the child of God. Number three, we should have right thoughts in our minds. These are thoughts that reflect the righteousness of God. What are His standards of right and wrong, and how are we allowing inputs to affect our thinking? Number four, we should think thoughts that are described as pure, unblemished, and undefiled by the outside forces and influences of darkness, dirtiness, and impurity. Number five, we should have thoughts that are lovely, pleasing, agreeable, and kind toward God, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those yet to come to faith in Jesus. And number six, we should have thoughts that are admirable, thinking of things that are of good report or good news. Specifically, how do we think and feel about the gospel, and do we allow it to penetrate every aspect of our lives? Today, we will look at the last two descriptors. Our thinking should be described as excellent and praiseworthy. In elementary school, I was a, quote, model student. I wanted to make good grades, have my teachers write excellent at the top of all of my papers and be highlighted on the top student board for my excellent work. I wanted to be praised. There was just something that made me feel about 10 feet tall when I had accomplished and excelled at a school task. I wanted everyone in my class to know that I had done well. I wanted my parents and sisters to know that I had been praised. I am sure pride played into that desire to be praised. God would use my dad to always bring me down a few notches. I would come home with a test paper in my hand that I was so very proud of. Let's say I made a 98 on it. I would show it to my dad and he would respond, good job, but where are the other two points? Really, daddy? That was always a sobering moment that brought me down off my high horse really quick. I knew he was happy with my schoolwork, but always was teaching me to be humble. To me, this is what Paul is doing for us here in this verse. He is saying, watch your thoughts. Think this way, not that way. These last two descriptors we will discuss today really do sum up all Paul is trying to communicate to us. Let's read Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Excellent and praiseworthy. We will take one at a time and break it down. So let's start with the word excellent. This word in the original language is defined as moral goodness, virtue, or goodness. This adjective is seen five times in the New Testament scriptures, and the better use of the word would be virtue. The great apostle Peter uses this word the other four times in his two books in the New Testament, 1st and 2nd Peter. Along with Paul, based on his experience and knowledge of Jesus, reiterates the importance of having virtue characterize our thinking. He experienced it in person. Let's look at what Peter had to say in the other four verses. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Our job as believers is to think and talk about all the wonderful virtues of God and the goodness of God. Second Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. The power to live a godly life and have godly thoughts that reflect God's glory and virtues only comes through Him. We cannot manufacture that kind of power on our own. It would be futile to even try. 2 Peter 1, 5-9 says, For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. These verses describe a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action. A progression of faith in the right direction is only beneficial to the child of God. Excellence is top-notch thinking that reflects the goodness and virtues of the top-notch God. Now, let's turn our discussion to praiseworthy thoughts. Like the other words, I will begin with defining what this word means in the original language. The word used here means fitting or accurate acknowledgement. So with this definition in mind, our thoughts should be giving credit where credit is due. Unlike young elementary Carmen, who was giving credit to herself when she did well. No, we have nothing, no thing without God. The credit, the acknowledgement, the praise should go to him. That is accurate and fitting in any and all situations. Let me reference and summarize a handful of scriptures 
where this same word is found that will bring this point home. Romans 2.29 says that the inward man brings praise to God. What is on the inside? Our thoughts, our motivations, our feelings. Romans 13.3 and 1 Peter 2.14 tells us that being a good citizen or a good ruler is worthy of praise. 1 Corinthians 4.5 says that each person will receive from God the appropriate praise due him or her. 2 Corinthians 8.18 tells us about a fellow believer of Paul's who was praised because of his service to the gospel. Ephesians 1, 6, 12, and 14 tells us that those who have been adopted through Christ into God's family, those who are in Christ, and those who have been redeemed by Christ's blood, live to bring praise to God. Philippians 1, 11, along with our key verse, Philippians 4, 8, tells us that the fruit of righteousness, internally and externally, are to be praised. And lastly, 1 Peter 1, 7 tells us that a tried and true vessel used by God is worthy of praise. You see, accurately acknowledging the one to whom credit is due is an internal process of the brain that is activated by knowledge, insight, and discernment about the object of our praise, God. Paul finishes up with these two words. He could probably have gone on and on for the next 10 pieces of parchment, listing positive and godly descriptors of what our thoughts should be. But he chose these two to round them out. In my holy yet limited imagination, I feel like he is saying to the reader, yes, think on whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Okay, basically, Whatever else is excellent and praiseworthy. If it does not fit into these categories, it's out of place. Just keep your thoughts to this area and you should be good to go. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for this day and all that you do for us, all your goodness, all of your virtues. Um, We could spend days and days sitting here and listing them all. And... um, we would have nothing without you. God, I ask that we would be people, my friends and myself, we would be people of praise, giving accurate and fitting acknowledgement to you because you are the one that is worthy of it all. God, help our thoughts to reflect that. Help our words to reflect that. And may we be able to look on any and all situations and think about it in a way that glorifies you. Help us in this area and forgive us when we have uh, gone our own ways, when we have let our minds run wild, or we have even believed the lies of our enemy. Protect us from those. Help us to speak truth to ourselves and to those around us. We believe in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Think about the excellencies and goodness of God and praise Him for all those things. He is worthy. As for you, look to God for the pats on the back you desire. Don't be like elementary me. Don't look toward men for that satisfaction. All that is, is earthly thinking. We need some otherworldly, as in heavenly thinking, to get through this life. Okay, y'all, that's eight descriptors down. That's it. There's no more to talk about. But next week, we will look at how we can really be victorious in this area of our lives, our thoughts. We're going to finish up this series next week, and I hope to give you some practical and scriptural strategies to get your mind on the right track. I hope you will tune back in then. Have a great week. Thank you for joining me today for the Let's Be Real podcast. I sure hope you have been encouraged by our talk. Join me next week for another new episode. Meet me right back here then. If you have been blessed by this podcast, please rate us, subscribe, and share with a friend. I would also love to hear from you. You can email me at berealcarmen at gmail.com. Let me know where you are listening from and how I can be praying for you. This is Carmen. Go be real. The world needs to see it.